if you had if you had one superpower based on this year's experiences, one elk hunting superpower, what would it be? To to honestly, it would be like to finish the encounter with like to to make the the shot count. Uh, the finisher. The finisher. You'd be the. <laughs> I'd be the finisher. <laughs> The finisher, <laughs> because I had you'd be I the, had, that one percent I'm talking about. The, yeah, like, the one, the finishing the one percent. Yeah. Welcome to the Elk Hunt Podcast with myself, Cody Rich. This feed is home to the best elk hunting podcast that I've done over the last seven years. And if you want to be a better elk hunter, then you're in the right place. If you want the blueprint that I developed after interviewing hundreds of the best elk hunters in the world and 20 plus years of my own hunting experience, check out my new Elk Hunt 201 course. It's a four-step system for doubling your success. It's a framework to give you a step-by-step system that you can build off of for finding elk, getting close to elk, and killing elk without getting lucky. This is not the end-all be-all course. If you're a 101 level, no no expertise, no elk knowledge, do not take this course. Uh, This is zero fluff is my four-step system, right? So it's going to be over a few a few of you guys' heads, but honestly, this is such a great framework to build off of. Check it out. Link in the show notes. All right. We are live. Not technically live because this is pre-recorded. So. <laughs> Alrighty, welcome to the podcast. It's Wabatu Wednesday, and Jade and I are going to do another round of tips discussions and questions do we ever come up with a name for the format of this podcast no no one ever sent in any suggestions Sons either of bitches i know give them homework like and they never do it um i'm real loud okay so today's podcast we're going to talk about out of the box calling tips and lessons learned sound good sounds like a good plan man uh i struggle because we're going to do like a five tips thing and i I came up with six and then I didn't want to be at six tips, but then like some of them were discussions. So I just took out the number. Is I think that it, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that legal? Don't put baby in a box. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, so Jaden had 4 million questions before we even got started. So I made him shut up and put headphones on. Uh, but the number one theme of today's podcast is going to be curiosity kills the cat. Right. And that's going to go into a few things and a lot of the tips and things, but that's kind of why I strayed away from this like whole five tips thing, because a lot of these are there. There's times to use them and times not to use them. But at the end of the day, um, that was a big thing for me this year is like, man, curiosity kills a cat. And I do think it's very, very important these days in the era of what we're living in. There's a lot of people calling. It's a lot of pressure. Right. There's a lot of like, I think uh, calling elk is an ever moving target. Oh man. <laughs> so like you could talk about like how to do it in the eighties, how to do it in the nineties. And then like the 2020s, a little bit different. And I think uh, there's a lot more pressure, a lot more education out there. The sons of bitching podcast telling everybody what to do. Yeah. Uh, so I, that's why I think it's an ever moving target. But I do think that like, the one thing that's going to be a variable for the next few years is curiosity like you have to play into that and not being this consistent drone that like is like everybody else and so like it's always a matter of like what everyone else is doing like people can sit there and bitch that onyx has changed the game and now you know you can't find these little 
hidey holes or whatever, right? right. But there's always voids in every system. Right. So it's like trying to, and I think calling is no different. So like these out of the box tips we're going to talk about, a lot of it is like, okay, what's everyone, what's everyone doing and how are the elk reacting to it? And so like, what's the void that I can create? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And are any of these things that we're going to talk about, are they time of month specific or is it kind of oh, like, sure. okay. So a lot of this stuff is going to be, if you're an Oregon hunter who didn't have the last week of September this year to hunt, you might have to alter your game plans accordingly. Oh, for sure. For sure. Especially uh, compared to a uh, Montana dude who gets into October. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so I guess the first, like first tip in regards to curiosity, killing a cat. One of the things that with age comes patience. Maybe I don't really have a whole lot of patience, but the little patience I do have is definitely grown since I was, uh, right. 20 and running around just screaming at every bull, which for the record, I think worked back then when I was 20, like you could just run around screaming elk and no one else was really doing it. So yeah. it worked pretty good. That was pre YouTube, pre YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so within like curiosity, killing the cat, like this year, one of the things I found as a great early season tactic, we've talked about this on the podcast is like raking. Uh, but to go more specifically, like raking works early season. We've kind of talked a lot about that. We've gone into depth on podcasts on kind of just utilizing raking and getting bulls coming in silent and things like that. But one of the things that I wanted to kind of put in people's toolbox is something that I use quite a bit. And this year I used a lot more than ever is as a solo hunter, you're calling elk, you have elk coming in and the, the, the biggest hang up is like, this elk's coming right to me. How do I draw yeah. my bow? How do I, you know, get him to stop, not look at me, all these things. Right. Yeah. And so like one of these things where it's like, okay, I'm going to mimic him and get this bull talking. This is very, a little bit specific to early season, but I'm, I'm mimicking this elk and he's kind of coming in or he's curious or whatever, but I'm going to utilize raking to almost stop him before he can see me. So I can move the distance so I can close that last 10 yards, 15 yards. Okay. And so like, Utilizing raking is like getting him to to stop looking for me. Would, that, would you use that like at basically trying to get him to start raking back? Yeah. No, yeah. that's 100%. It's like I'm trying to get him – like I, I'm calling to this elk by myself. He's now looking for me. Right. Let's just assume it's you know not a giant herd bull, but it's like just an average elk, right? So this elk is looking for me. Right. They're real good at hide and seek. Right. Um, and if you have any kind of pressure at all – uh, these all get even better at hide and seek because they're really skeptical. You know, they're standoffish and they're kind of looking for anything to be wrong. But if I can start raking, now he's raking. When when an elk is raking, he can't see. Like his eyes are closed. He's raking. He's not looking around for you. And so mm -hmm. I've been utilizing this like, hey, get this bull to start raking. That way I can close the last 10 yards or 15 yards, even 50 yards if I have to. Like if, yeah. if an elk starts raking, I can now move because he's not looking for me. So would you, are you trying to put like, uh, like a, a group of small trees or like a little bit of a, uh, a rise or something between you two just to where, you know, or you can hear him raking and then move to a position where you can see yeah. him. I mean, concealment's huge. Like I don't, you know, everyone's sitting here trying to call into meadows and open areas where they get shots. Like, right. I would rather have a hard time getting the shot, but know that I'm not going to get seen. 
Yeah. Um, you more times force than not. like a 20 yard shot than yeah. potentially blow up a 50. I don't know. In my, in my experience, you like you, you usually can find a, a hole or, you know, a, 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 a lane, I should say, uh, even at 50 yards, 40 yards, whatever. Like yeah, at 40 yards, you can find a lane. It can be some pretty thick stuff. Yeah. I would say, especially with like Rocky mountain elk versus Rosie's like sometimes Rosie's it's a little too thick. Yeah. But I think coming from Roosevelt type hunting, you get a Rocky type hunting. You're like, Oh man, I can find a lane at 40 yards. Get him raking. I'll find a lane. Yeah. Um, because once he starts raking, like I can be pretty patient. The other thing, like with that whole curiosity kills a cat, there's a couple scenarios this year where it's like, you know, he starts raking and I can tell it's a bull. I'm not going to shoot, but I just stop. And so he's like expecting me to start raking, but I just don't do anything. And this gets, this doesn't get used enough. Like mm-hmm. stop doing whatever you're doing because eventually he's going to like wonder where you went, yeah, what, what happened. happened? Yeah. yeah. And so he's going to like, he's going to give you that shot. Yeah. As long as the wind doesn't swirl, if you had a good wind, you know, even if he starts raking multiple times, I've had bulls be raking at 50 yards and I'm not going to shoot them. I'm like, okay, small bull. And they walk, they like, start looking for it pretty soon. They got to know, like, where did the other bull go? Like, yeah, what yeah, happened? Yeah. And then they start walking around looking, you know, like just looking all over. And the one thing that was interesting is twice this happened to me. You call, you're calling and the bull's calling. I start raking. I kind of close the distance when he starts raking. And then all of a sudden they stop raking and it's like they had lost complete sense of where you were. Like when I'm calling that bull knows within four feet of where I am. Right. But all of a sudden he starts raking and he's like looking around like, I don't remember where that call came from. And it seemed like it kind of disoriented him. Like, Uh Or maybe he just doesn't expect me to be in the same spot. So, like, I know it comes in when you're calling, and he's locked down right where you were, like, right Right. where your last call was. He's like, there should be an elk there. But the last two times I have passed bulls that were raking, they kind of, like, took their head out of the tree, looked at me, maybe they'll bark once or twice, go back to raking. They're like, hey, where were you? Hey, I thought we were playing this game. And I just don't say anything. And then pretty soon they start wandering around, like, where did he go? What happened? You know? And like, that's a great opportunity to get you that shot. Right. Do you think all this goes into like making sure you're not making the final move or just like sticking to this plan of like, you can't make the final move on this elk unless they can't see. Yeah. I think that's a good rule of thumb as rules, rules of thumb go, uh, is do 90. Yeah. Let them do 10. Yeah. Always make, always let elk do the last 10. Dude, I got caught two mornings in a row because I was like, the first one was like, we were calling this bull, calling this bull. And then I was like, oh, you know, he's coming hard, but he might get my wind if he comes up, uh, like up a hill of me. And I tried to move uphill as he was coming in and it just like, you made the last move and he blew. And it might be, I I am like, for everyone listening, you've probably heard this already, but like I am the devil's best advocate because I can sit there and play both sides of everything. You know, I say a good rule of thumb is do 90, let them do 10. But I do know that there's a lot of scenarios where you have to get that last 1%. Like you yeah. do 90, they do 10 at some level. You gotta yeah. like, you got, when I say force the shot, I hate when I hate saying that because it almost comes off as like, you're taking a bad shot. But when I say right. force the shot, it's like you do 90, let him do 10 but if you have to lean outside of a tree or you have right. to make four steps 
to get the shot to find the lane, sometimes right. that needs to get done. And that's sometimes last, you bumped elk. But like you said, that's the last 1%. It's the but whereas one. I was trying to get 20 yards uphill as he was coming in, mm-hmm. like, yeah. yeah, that's that's 10% that you didn't need to give. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and who knows, it, the wind might have swirled for just, or switched for just a moment, and you would have got a shot. For sure. But when in doubt, let curiosity kill the cat. Like, yeah. And that's like a patience thing. It's tough. Um but when you do that, whether you're calling, whether you're raking with like, yeah, let curiosity do its work because it seems to all, it seems to pan out more often than not. Now, sometimes <laughs> this is about reading elk and you and I talked about this, like, yeah. man, it takes a lot of years of experience to be able to read elk correctly. Right. And I think that's the key is like, if you stick to this, like 90, 10, one rule of thumb for, for a few years, you're going to do fine. And then you'll start to like read elks, you know, you read situations and you're like, okay, this is not going to happen. I need to make something happen or I need to call right. more. I need to not, cause like there's, there's elk I've called that if I shut up, they leave, you know? And so right. like, do you think part of this also comes into the fact that guys like, like you're like, if I keep calling, he's going to scream in my face and it's going to be epic. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's um, not how most bulls are killed. No, right. uh, that's how most bulls get bumped or pushed or whatever it's like right this need for like the primos the video primos yeah. you know like guys do it all the time bugling into bulls like the bugle man that was really cool you bugle back let's do it again yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. i just want to hear him say i just need one more location no you just want to hear him bugle <laughs> yeah you're like time. no he's sub 100 yards come on yeah <laughs> <laughs> no for sure for sure for sure um well I'll talk a little bit about the lost calf like your experience using the lost calf and how curiosity killed the cat yeah so to speak well like first weekend i was um in this this spot it's where i had kind of patterned some elk and uh i was just like walking around up there doing my cold call series early early season and this cow this calf just came up yeah 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 just looking for looking for uh, a social scene like he there was looking for its mom whatever but it was just looking for some interaction from other elk. And so I like cow called that is lost calf. I cow called at it. And I thought it was going to come and ask for a backpack ride home. Cause like, <laughs> it was like in my lap. I yeah. eventually had to go like, shoo, like, you know, like yeah. get out of here. Yeah. Um, but then I ended up using that a little later because I noticed like, okay, like if a calf is lost and like just looking for social interaction, like, maybe uh, it would intrigue other elk to like interact with it. So I don't know. What is your take on this situation um, as far as like using lost cow calf song? Well, what I was hinting at is like when you, when you killed your elk, you're following a, a herd. I hate to say the term. You're following it was a, a rag group, herd. A, yeah. A yeah. Group, of, group of raghorns. Uh, cow calling wasn't working. Obviously right. pressure was high. It was at the end of season. I literally found two arrows down in that area that had fallen out of quivers. Yeah. So yeah, there's people in there. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously they kind of knew the gig, uh, and they just kept moving away. Like they weren't bumped. They just like, something wasn't right. But when you hit that last calf, it slowed them down enough that you could catch up, catch up with them. So that, yeah, that's a good point. So then later in the season, I was like, I had that bugling wasn't working. Cow calls wasn't working. Like they weren't coming in any closer. So then I was like, well, I'm going to try to get closer. And I like started doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like really 
I was really good. Was that with the reed or your mouth? <laughs> should, you should enter this like uh, the voice, the voice calling. <laughs> anyway, I started doing that, and um, and this is like all these raghorn. There was like six of them. Uh, they t- turned and would like look back at me, like, and I could see them through lodgepole. They were like looking back and like would come take a couple steps closer, and they'd be like, "Yeah, I don't really see anything." They yeah. kind of meander off, and then I just kept doing that over and over again to kind of keep them within that distance to where I eventually got like a rise in between us. Those bulls were on top of the rise and, uh, but they couldn't see the bottom side and I ran up to the top of it and there, my bull was standing 40 yards on the other side. Yeah. And got a shot. And I thumped him. Well, and it's like, okay, we might change the name of the podcast to curiosity kills the cat slash bull. Uh, because the calf, I think the lost calf is a great example of that. And, and it gets overused and it gets underused both. So, it's like a Hail Mary. I look at it as a oh, Hail Mary. Oh, it's totally a Hail Mary. Because uh, at that point, you know, I had bugled my face off that day. Yeah. Uh, and hadn't really been getting any responses. I cow called and like tried to make some sort of like a a cow and bull herd scenario going yeah. on. And they weren't interested in that. I think they'd probably got their ass kicked. It was September 28th. Yeah. Um, well, and night. so, but the same thing, like I, I, you know, I've bumped, I've bumped elk or even just had elk move away that knew something wasn't right and i throw out the lost calf and yeah lost calf will stop a herd of elk yeah but it's game over real quick if they don't figure out like if if the calf doesn't show up right like, so unless you got a calf in your backpack maybe you should have held on to that one yeah i should have <laughs> roped it <laughs> just put it in the trunk yeah um, <laughs> Uh, but like it's game over, you know what I mean? Like when that lead cow is like, okay, where's the lost calf? And then right. also, it's like game over. So, uh, you know, if curiosity kills the cat, you know, another option is like, say her kind of bumps or if it full bumps, I never go lost calf. Like if it's like, mm-hmm. they know it was human, they don't know it's human. Right. And it's kind of, you know, just a mix up especially if the bull doesn't know I might throw a lost calf or like make it seem like I pulled a cow away. And this is another one of those like hail Marys. Cause like I might get that bull to stop and turn around right. and come back. But if that doesn't work, like I back out. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like let's just leave this herd for a while yeah. and, and circle back. I guess that's a really good point too, because I was, it was the second to last day of archery season when I pulled yeah. that out. Yeah, Cause nothing. it's like, Nothing what else? Lose. Yeah, well, you got nothing to lose. Yeah, for sure. Um, so another tip, falling in line, uh, when to mimic and when to challenge. Uh, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of information out there that says like, hey, just challenge every bull, um, and it works mm-hmm. to an extent. Uh, I think there's maybe on September twentieth or yeah, September fifteenth. No, for right? sure. And there's like there's timing and. I think a lot of the good guys, you know, they, they, they acknowledge that like, Hey, this is a timing thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it does work to go out and challenge you. There's a bull on the mountain somewhere that's willing to challenge. I do think this is never, this is kind of that ever moving target though. When yeah. we talk about like the age of everyone doing the same thing, right. It tends to not work as much. Um, and this kind of goes into like what I think curiosity kills a cat and like, being able to work a bull that's not hot, being able to call in those elk, you know, like right. being able to mimic. And I think mimicking an elk is very underrated. So, so would this look like something like you're running a ridge, you get a response deep down on the bottom of the other side. Uh, but the response is just like a, oh, 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 you know, like a, like a chuckle. Yeah. And then you like send it back. 
way down deep on the other side i'm probably not i'm gonna get closer like mimicking i okay. think i th think mimicking works better in proximity uh proximity like and sub time. 500 yards sub 500 yards um it's a good way to put it uh and this is like this goes to timing and it goes to everything like if you're sitting out there just throwing locates and a bull locates across the canyon on the other side like mm -hmm. there's not much you sh you know you're not calling that bull that far Oh. Say early season, maybe late season, but if you get early. lucky, if you get lucky, uh, but where mimicking versus challenging is like a very much an early season thing or earlier, you know, let's go pre ruddish. Um, and then you can kind of like, I think the mimic, whether it's a grunt, whether it's a chuckle, whether it's, you know, whatever he's doing, and we're talking about taking that, the level of excitement and slowly growing it. So you're just mimic go a little bit higher, mimic, go a little higher, mimic, go a little higher. And, you know, you can take that same philosophy of your curiosity, kill the cats, like get within proximity, 500 yards or so, and just mimic. Right. And just keep mimicking and right. patience. And that's where it's like curiosity is going to kill a cat because like, say I'm on the same ridge, say I, that scenario you just posed, uh, I throw out a nice, beautiful, long locate bugle, mm -hmm. uh, and maybe I wait 10 minutes and I throw out one more just because I've, man, I'm real confident in this area and I get a, you know, just yeah. a nothing. All right, cool. I know there's knock there. I'm going to wait 10 minutes, throw out a locate. Let's just say nothing happens, right? It's probably a realistic scenario. Like, right. I know I heard you down there. He's there. I'm going to wait 10 minutes, maybe five, and I'm going to throw out another locate. Nothing. I'm like, okay, let's go get proximity. So I'm going to drop the same ridge with him and uh -huh. I'm going to get level and then I'm just going to, I would, I maybe throw out the locate just to see, just to see yeah. uh, if proximity helped the situation. Yeah. It's going to be a real lazy one. Yeah. But I'm not going to go to mimic yet. Uh, uh, say he doesn't say anything. I'm like, I know you're here. You know, I might wait five minutes, throw out another lazy bugle. Yeah. It's like a locate, non-aggressive, like just here, here. Right. If he still doesn't do anything, then I'm going to let curiosity kill the cat. So now let's just assume it's midday or mid morning. I'm like, okay, he's probably not going to say anything now, but like, I'm just going to keep doing what he was doing and right. maybe throw in some rakes here and there and, and like, just see if he comes, you know, it goes back to like raking strategy, right? They get curious. They got to come see what's going on, investigate Check who's on their hill. You know, like what, if he's in your, if you're in his zone or whatever. So then you're letting curiosity kill the cat by mimicking and just like staying at his level, you know, Stay at that lazy, non-aggressive level and keep doing that. I would say one of the biggest reasons for that, and this is like going against what I'm about to say, but it's like if everyone else is doing the challenge, cow call, all that, do something different. Right. Now I just told everyone to do this. So it's going to screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get what you're saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of teaching everyone. But, um, you know, it just seems like everyone's out there cow calling, bugling, cow calling, bugling. Yeah. The other thing it seems like is, and I had to, I really worked on this this summer, was like I knew how to locate bugle and I could like really like, I could probably challenge bugle fairly well. But the other noises, chuckling, grunting, like not very confident in that. And then I spent this summer like hammering that elk nut pot, uh, app and... I figure that's probably one of the ways that you can like look at these new tactics or they're not really new, but um, look at these tactics that we're talking about and be like, okay, it's December. Like we have, what is that? 
10 months? Yeah. yeah. You've got 10 months to be practicing this shit, like, on your <laughs> way to and from work. Like, yeah. um, how I long think... Does you, how long do you think it takes? If you were to pick up a read, uh-huh. how long... Like, when did you pick up a read? No, that's not a good... That's not a good example. Why? I started turkey hunting when I was, like... That was the first uh, hunt I went out when I was, like, four. So you could... So I could make turkey yeah. sounds fairly well. I always struggle with this one, too, because, like, I... Do not remember. I must have been eight or nine when I got an elk read. Yeah. And driving combine would blow on an elk read like constantly all, all summer. Time. So like, I, I, I don't know as an adult. But I think one of the... the how long it takes to learn elk The call. thing that you're getting at though is like, and like I said, I had a read in my mouth. It didn't matter if it was an elk read. It was, it, I had a read yeah. in my mouth since I was like four. That time, just being able to understand how to like make sounds with the plastic, mm-hmm. like... And even then, man, it took me all summer to figure out, like, to confidently chuckle and to, like, make those bull sounds that were not just bugles. Yeah. Not just a straight locate. Yeah. yeah I, I was just curious. I don't know. Like, if anybody's got, if anybody listening, give me a time frame how long it took you. If you started as an adult, I'm curious how long it takes. Yeah. To get proficient. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good question. Um, especially because like some guys also are still picking up like, um, kind of a cheapo read at Walmart or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think if you get a read that's built well, um, AKA Phelps, um, you'll probably pick Uh, it up quicker. Oh man. Hands down. Well, I've taught a lot of people how to call and I've watched a lot of people struggle, like not as a Phelps promotion or anything, but it's like, yeah, you give them a, like that amp frame and it's like, that oh. amp frame is a game. And it was easier for me. And then I'm, you know, it's just like more, it takes less effort to make that thing squeal than yeah. anything else. Sure. So the next thing on our list was grunts and chuckles, but I think we kind of already talked about that in the mimic stage. Yeah. Um, and, and those kind of go hand in hand, like just, man though, like we spent, <laughs> so lampers, uh, when I was with lampers, in Wyoming, we had this bull that we hadn't seen yet. And it was on this big oak, like uh burnt hillside, but he was tucked in the one pocket of trees there, the one pocket of timber. And Lampers is like, before we go blow him out, let's just try to see if we can't get a, like, get him to come out. Yeah, right? step out. Step out. We we're 400 yards away, probably. But we'd sit there and just like you were saying, like, we would locate Bugle and he wouldn't do anything. We'd locate Bugle, he wouldn't do anything. Then after a while, he would chuckle from his bed. And you'd chuckle back, and you'd chuckle back again. Mm-hmm. And it like he was real interested when you were starting to speak his language, like in being more vocal. And yeah. he would tell us like, "Oh yeah, that bull's still there." Like we still waited for him. Um, yeah, and it's weird. Like there's, there's definitely. And I think Roosevelt's are more so this way. Like if yeah. if they're a chuckling bull, like they'll just chuckle and they'll answer chuckles, but they won't answer anything else. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Who knows? Uh. But that's it. I mean, that's a great example of like, oh, just the mimic or you know i guarantee you get that bull fired up if you just oh and we totally did so that evening that we basically spent a whole day trying to see this bull because he sounded as ryan said he sounded mean and dirty (laughs) (laughs) i can see right that but we spent all day on him and eventually he was he was pissed off and he walked and he came out was it a big bull it was 300 inch bull yeah i mean it was a herd bull yeah yeah we have cows yeah Oh, in that little pocket? In that pocket, yeah. Nice. Um, and that was pretty early then, wasn't it? No, uh, it was, it was like fifth, it was fifteenth or fourteenth. Uh, it was, I mean, prime time. Yeah. Okay, so the last, the last piece, and this kind of brings it all together. 
I like how we did that. I didn't even mean to do that, but the, work. <laughs> it kind of brings it all together is knowing when to shut the F up. Like this right. is so crucial. Like you, in order for curiosity to kill the cat, you have to leave curiosity on the table. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like you have to know when to shut up. And this is like the biggest thing is people over, I don't want to say overcall because there's a time to overcall. You can, you can call a lot. Yeah. You just have to know when to shut the F up and let curiosity do its job. Right. Right. Does that so make do sense? You think, like, do you, do you think there's a time for that? Well, I, do you think, how do you know when you've called too much or when you like, what are some indicators of like, when do I need to shut up? Is it like, okay, I've called too many times in a row without getting a response. Uh, no, that's like, fine. You can do that. Okay. So <laughs> it's more like specifically you've heard a bowl, you've, been just calling him and like trying just like that earlier situation when you've crossed the threshold of changing his mood yeah when when you've crossed that line okay. and it's like you can hear it like the bull chuckling here's a great example yeah so it's not a great example because he's an open face so it's a little bit different but um say it wasn't open say face. it wasn't open face right he's chuckling he's chuckling you can't get him to do shit all day all he'll do is chuckle at you but he doesn't seem to change his mood and then let's say three o'clock he gets up Maybe it's a little bit later, September. So let's say five o'clock, he finally gets up and the chuckle goes from a chuckle to a scream. Right. You still can't shut up because you haven't, you haven't baited him enough, right? Right. You haven't got him interested. He's a little fired up, but he's not baited. For sure. But there's a moment when he bugles that goes up a few octaves and you can tell the mood changed and you can tell he's pissed. And if you have the proximity, mm -hmm. curiosity will work. There's yeah. like an algorithm there if someone was smart enough to figure it out. But like <laughs> you, you basically, you flipped his switch and you're close enough that he has to do something about it. You know, then curiosity will let it work. I mean, usually it's a pretty close, you know, close it's proximity. hundred yards, 150 yards. I would say closer. Yeah. yeah. Under hundred. Let's say under hundred. Okay. Um, and this is not like a, a uh, you know, it's not a hard yeah. line. It's going to depend on where you're at, what time. For sure. For sure. And if he's moving, if he's moving towards right. you, he's moving away. If he's going to feed. Or he's like going back to his bed. You know, mm -hmm. this doesn't work as well uh, when you're trying to get that morning bulls going back to his bed. Mm -hmm. Like he's got priorities and, mm -hmm. and curiosity is not one of them. Usually in the evening, curiosity is more like it's going to work a little bit better. Yeah. Because he's not, he's not like, I'm going back to bed. Screw you guys. Um, yeah. So like, but you have to let that last, it's that 10%. Remember we talked about 90, 10, one, yeah. 90, 10, one, that 10% you have to like let curiosity do its work. I like that, man. So that same bull that we called out of the timber, we watched him bed up or like we watched him go into a different pocket kind of after they got up and moved and Lampers is like, let's go call him in. So we sneak up there. We know it's like a hundred yards wide, this, this timber patch. And we sneak up and we get right across from him. Lampers is 20 yards in front of me and uh, he can see the cows. So the bulls, the cows are within 30, 40 yards of her lampers. And, you know, that bull might just be on the other side. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of like gives me the thumbs up to like rip a bugle and challenge him. And I think it might have been just because he was cold at that point. Like we challenged bugle just under 100 yards and he rounded up his cows and went the other way. Man, it happened. <laughs> I, mean, I wonder, do you think that's a factor of him not being hot at the time that we went up there? Yeah. Or is it just like I mean, just an given individual the location, bowl? I mean, given the remoteness of where you guys were, uh, there's two things. He's a 300-inch bull in a land of much bigger bulls, uh, which means he's not the king player. Um, yeah. 
So yeah. size does matter. Yeah. Like if I know, like if I see a 270 and I know this area holds a lot of 350 bulls, I'm like, this bull's not going to challenge anybody. Like he's got yeah. cows right now. Yeah. Like, uh, another one is, yeah, was he not fired up? No. Like he probably wasn't bugling on his own. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's how we, like I said, we watched him go into a different timber, timber patch, patch and we were like, he hadn't said anything for a while. So we we're like, let's go. I'm play. curious, like 20 yards from the cows, like, unless the wind was really iffy, like, I'm just going to like, well, I made it. Like, I don't need to do shit. Oh yeah. I mean, there was an element also of the, like Lampers had uh, two camera guys behind him. Yeah. And you know, I mean, there's only so much stealthy hunter that you can do <laughs> two with guys, two camera guys. With two camera guys. Yeah. And like trying to make the Primos video, you know, like I guess. Yeah. Oh, I mean, honestly, like there was a little bit of that. Yeah. So oh. it's just fine. And rightfully so. Like not the biggest bull in the woods. Like if it was a, a 350 bull. Yeah. It changes the dynamic a little bit because you're like, oh man, we really need to kill this one. If yeah. it's a 300 bull, you're like, if it works, it that works. If like it doesn't, it doesn't. Cool. Fifth or sixth one we'd seen or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, like let's just challenge and see if we can get yeah. a bull to bugle in our face. Totally yeah. respect that. Like I, I'm all for that. Yeah. Well, which uh, is how we ended up ki- ki- like yeah. he got, they got pictures of the arrow in flight as it's going to on its mark to the on bull the one he killed. on the one he killed. And yeah. like yeah. Scre- that bull was screaming in their face and yeah. he, he probably wasn't, I mean, he wasn't as big as that bull, yeah. but you know, it was the whole experience that we were going for, you know, no, for sure. And like, I got nothing against that, man. If like, yeah. if you're, if you're a guy who's like, man, I, my dream, I don't even care how big the elk is. I just want yeah. a bull screaming in my face when I shoot him. Like, yeah. yeah that's pretty awesome. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. Challenge it. Like you get but that you're situation. Gonna need you need a lot of time in the woods. Yeah. You're going to bump some out to, like, to get to happen. that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, I so, guess that also goes into like expectations. I'm going to skip or bump over yours real quick. No, go for it. Um, that gets into like a discussion about expectations. Like when you're going out there in the woods and you're calling every into every dra- or bugling into every drainage, like how often do you think if you don't know the country, how often do you think you get a response? Uh, like, so how many times do I cast and how many times do I get a bite? Yeah. Uh, I usually say 10 to one, 10 to one center, so, middle of the rut is 10 to one. Yeah. I would say yeah. like anywhere from like September, let's just say September 5th through the 25th. Okay. I think 10 to one's a decent for an over the counter DIY hunt. Like that's pretty good. And sometimes that's it's a hundred. So yeah, like yeah. 10 to one, I would say, yeah, that might be a touch high. I don't know. I usually say 10 to one though. Like I yeah. remember like thinking that all the time, like, but it might be a little bit more. Maybe it's a dozen, yeah. 15. Well, and that's one of the things like when folks are out there, like the other thing is, I guess that you, do you bugle off every small little crevice and like every, are you a Phelps bugler or do you go a quarter mile before or half mile before you bugle again? It depends on terrain, man. Like, yeah, it's usually a drainage feature. Like Depends on terrain. Like so if, you've got one big ridge line and you've got little fingers coming off it, you be oh, into each finger. Yeah, probably. Yeah. If I think that there's elk there and it's pretty thick country, yeah. um, and I'm seeing elk sign, I'm like, okay, where the hell are these things? You know, like yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not afraid to bugle off every ridge. Now, yeah. having said that, if I'm like, you can chew up a lot of time doing that. Yeah, I'm, that's a good point. I that's my concern is like, okay, if I'm gonna call into every freaking finger, like if I devote the day to this area, I must think there's a pretty damn good chance that like there's elk in this drainage. Yeah. I see the sign, they're here somewhere, 
But if I'm like, I'm not seeing elk tracks, I'm not seeing fresh elk shit, like, I'm not going to call on there. You're moving. Oh, yeah, I'm covering ground. Yeah. Because, which I guess leads into that one, like, you get a better ratio if you're covering ground and making sure you're also in the right place. No, for sure. Um, Because I think there's like something to being thorough with the spots I do choose. Right. Like, so instead of walking in, throwing a locate, and then walking out, like, Depending on the time, if it's September 25th, I'm probably just going to throw a locate and keep moving because I'm, I'm like, okay, something should answer. Yeah. Something should be fired up. September 5th. And I'm like, man, this is a really good spot. Or I, you know, I feel Mm -hmm. like it feels elky. Then I'll probably spend 15 to 20 minutes calling in that area before I decide not an elk here. If I spent 20 minutes, I'm not going to go over the next rise and spend 20 minutes and then over the next little hump. 300 yards away and do the same thing. So like I'm committing a little bit more effort into an area, but I'm also like splitting those up. So I'm like, I might go check this timber pocket or this, you know, I don't know. Yeah. This timber pocket, this North face, you know, if I go to a North face, I'm not going to call down every drainage of it. I'll probably spend a little more time, but also then position myself to where I think I can be heard from covering a little bit more ground. Mm. So instead of like diving into this like deep pocket here, maybe being on the other side, and being on that south slope that I don't think any elk are on, but I'm like calling at the north face. That makes so yeah, no, that makes sense because I guess what one of the things I think a lot of folks don't do is like temper expectations based on what they're finding on the ground, based on um, rubs and like different sign that they're seeing. Yeah, and also time of year. I well, mean, you know, the tempering expectations too is like, what are you seeing for people? Yeah, like. This gets into the one thing that I wanted to kind of talk about was this like more elk versus less elk. Uh, and like just being, being able to commit or like being able to like, okay, there's a, maybe there's a lot of elk in this area. I don't want to name specific mountain ranges, but like, so say I take. This area has the above plywood, objective. Let's, let's call it the plywood, <laughs> the plywood mountain range. Okay. So if I go to a plywood mountain range and I'm like, man, there's shit tons of elk here, but there's shit tons of people. Like uh-huh. you were going to have a hard time getting elk to call. That's where I was. Yeah. <laughs> you were there. You were in plywoods. <laughs> I was in plywoods. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know? <laughs> so you're going to have a hard time versus, you know, um, going to the swivel chair. <laughs> the swivel chair mountain range and there's not very many elk, but there's also not very many people. Yeah. Like then I can, my strategies change. You talk about like, Hey, covering a lot of ground versus like being very thorough. So if I'm in the plywoods and there's lots of elk, but lots of people I'm covering ground to find the holes of elk that will talk. I'm not going to waste my time. Like yeah, trying to slow talk elk that just don't want to play that game. But if I go to the swivel chair mountain range and there's not very many elk, but there's also no, I'm not saying people. Yeah. I'm like, okay, let's dive in. Let's be a little more thorough, you know? Right. And those elk are probably going to be more receptive. Yeah. You know? And you're going to have to cover more ground to find them. But at the same time, they're going to be easier to call. Right. One of the things, and I, I guess that like, uh, based on your recommendation is how I, I played my plywood mountain range <laughs> because uh, on that last or second to last day of season, I was like, I know there are like a ton of elk on this section. There's like, I've got a strip that kind of borders private. It's two miles from the road. And I know there's a lot of elk in there. I've been in them every time I've gone down there. And I ran down there and was just like, I'm going to go until an elk bugles or until I run out of daylight. Like, 
and this that's the play you have in the plywoods. Yeah. <laughs> You're just kind of like, uh, this is the least amount of pressure I can yeah. find. Yeah. And this is the most amount of L. Yeah. Try to see what I can yeah. muster. Yeah. You're just looking for that one that will play the game. Um, yeah. and that's a numbers game, right? Like if there's a pile of elk, there's a, there's a, there's a numbers game there. Right. Um, and that tends to work out that way. If there's a lot of elk. There's usually people, you know, the, the yeah. mountain ranges that hold piles of elk draw people like they just do. Yeah. I mean, that's what most people want. You talk about expectations. You talk about what you want out of an elk hunt. Most non-residents, you know, guys that are coming from somewhere else like, are looking for, see them. yeah, they just want to get into elk. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, you know. I tend to lean more towards the mountain ranges with fewer elk and fewer people. Cause I'm, mm. I, you know, I would rather find elk that want to, that want to play, but also are on. They also have a chance. With. Yeah. Well, if they want to play and they're not like heavily pressured, they also have a chance to get bigger. Yeah. You say? Inherently. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so like go together, we talk, I talk about this one, one of the Q and A's we just did. You know, guys are like, well, you know, blah, 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 this, and, you know, I'm getting into elk. People have a hard time leaving an area when they're getting into elk, yep. but it sucks when there's people and people are screwing up the elk. I'm like, I'm out. There's plenty of elk. There's plenty of fish in the sea. Like mm-hmm. this state, you know, that state, whatever state, like, and granted, if you're, you know, say New Mexico where you only have the unit, you're like, hey, you, you kind of have to work with the cards you're dealt. But in a state, say Montana or Oregon, or Idaho, well, Idaho is kind of a Wyoming. Yeah. Where you can go anywhere, right? Yep. Like I'm going to, yep. I'm going to pack my bags and go. Now, if I'm yeah. in Idaho and I chose this unit and those are kind of grouped. So bunching, you can kind of change areas a little bit more, right. uh, but say New Mexico, uh, say I draw unit 52 and I'm like, man, this is not the hunt I was thinking. Sometimes you have to work within those parameters because that's what you're dealt with. Yeah, but if I have the choice, I'm in Oregon. I'm like, ugh, peace out. This, you know. You know, the, the people have figured this out and right. that sucks, but I'll pick up and move shop. Right. Let's go to the, the swivel chair mountains. <laughs> right. Right. Well, actually, and I, I did that, uh, again, like I, all I did this year was I called you and be like, Hey, I'm stumped. What do I do now? <laughs> so, uh, but I couldn't get anything worked up in the plywoods. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I went to two by four, <laughs> two by four, two by four, mountains. The two by four mountains. The two by four mountains are, are a little further away from town. And okay. I went in there and there were definitely fewer people. And I was able to get in there and get into elk right away. Are they pressure treated? <laughs> yeah, they're pressure treated by two by fours. But I was able to get into elk right away um, and got a bull going. That, like, so I left the plywoods at noon and was in the next mountain range by two. And that evening I was in a bugling bull, into a bugling bull. <laughs> Also that evening blew up my truck. So I only spent that day there. <laughs> uh, if you had, if you had one superpower based on this year's experiences, one elk hunting superpower, what would it be? To, to honestly, it would be like to finish the encounter with like to, to make the, the shot count. Uh, the finisher, the finisher, You'd be the- <laughs> I'd be the finisher. <laughs> The finisher, <laughs> because I had you'd be I the, had, that one percent I'm talking about. The, like, the one, the finishing the one percent. Yeah, yeah. I, and that's where I failed. Like, um, I failed once on deer, three times on elk, four, five times, including the time I shot my bull. Uh, I had six finisher opportunities, and <laughs> only one of them made it. Yeah, ah, that changes mine a little bit, though. Um, yeah, I'd be the finisher. But that's also like... It, what do like, you think most people 
need most people need probably to like find elk get into elk because one of the things also is like again i had six opportunities this year uh if you didn't have any opportunities that's a lot of opportunities that's more than average i would say yeah it was probably well i also just like knew the area and like knew where the elk were whatever if you're not getting opportunities though like how will you ever figure out how to be a finisher yeah because i got I would say your superpower this year was your finding elk. Yeah, because you didn't come out of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that's that gets you to the the problem. That gets you to the next problem of being a finisher. Yeah, uh, yeah. My I would say my my superpower superpower is finding elk. Like I can find them where they aren't supposed to be. So. Like how, yes, how, we were <laughs> antelope hunting, and you glassed up elk. Like deer Cody, hunt, every deer hunt this year. Yeah, like there's elk. <laughs> Like, Cody, we're in the prairie. Like, <laughs> elk are not supposed to live here. But I, I think that's a good superpower is, like, being able yeah, to find elk. Uh, because I can always find elk. I have, n- like, I'm not one of those people like, oh, shit, we found elk. We're in them. Yeah. Like, that's an, ec- that's an expected thing for me. Yeah. So I have no problem bumping, or not bumping. I have no problem with, like, oh, we screwed it up. Dang it. Shoot, darn. Like, I'll go to the next one. Like, nah, next one. Yeah. I don't care. Um. So man, yeah, that's a good. I guess. So I guess. I guess you know. It goes both ways. Like if after, a guy wanted a superpower, like finding elk versus versus killing fin- him, finishing. I mean, you gotta have both. Well, I do think after like having that conversation, like finding elk will help you. Like you have to. That's first. If you're not in elk all the time, doesn't matter if you can call. Doesn't matter if you can call. Doesn't matter if you can shoot. Yeah. Like John Dudley, Dude, elk hunting, like it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, elk hunting is like there's a large percentage of elk hunting that is also luck that is just being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. You could take a nap and kill a bull. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. <laughs> you know, like no uh, kidding. I, you know, took a nap, kill the giant. So, uh, being in the right place at the right time. But again, yeah. that boils down to like being able to find out, being able to get into elk, being able to like, Oh, I can, you know, e-scouting. Guarantee you have more time e-scouting than most people have hunted in their life. Yeah, probably. So that's, Boils down and be able to find out, right? And like, you wanted to put a map in the office. Yeah, that's <laughs> a bad idea. <laughs> Podcast two. We were talking about having a touch screen. It's an entire wall for Onyx. It'd be it'd be badass. But <laughs> <laughs> it would not be productive. Yeah. In other news, we haven't put out a podcast in a month and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, guys. Uh, all right. Any closing thoughts? I don't know if that was about out of the box thinking or if it was about what it was about. Just how to call elk, man. I think a large part of it is, uh, so, so, and I felt this way when I was with Lampers, like the first time I bugled with Lampers, I was nervous because I didn't know if it was going to sound like shit or if it was going to like get an elk to respond. Like you just don't know. Uh, and that first day we Lampers saw an elk walk across the hillside and was like, Hey Jaden, let's go call it in. It wasn't very big. Um, but he's like, we need to like get these, like work out the, the kinks. Right. Yeah. We went up there, called that bull into 20 yards and to Lampers, it was a little further for me. But uh, once you called that bull in, we were like, oh, we can do this now. I think yeah. if people, as long as they're like willing and able to work out the kinks and understand that it's not always going to like come in the first time or you're not always going to get a shot the first encounter, like you just got to keep after it. Do you think confidence within elk hunting is something that you can fake until you make? I think you got to try 
because you know, <laughs> I like, wasn't very confident. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly right. So I couldn't. I, I don't think I'd ever tell you like I'm super confident in my alcoholic abilities, yeah. right? But I know it's worked a couple times, and I'm gonna keep after it. Yeah, you know, and just yeah. keep like keep tweaking, keep trying to get better. Like, there's never you've not arrived when you can bugle. No, not at all. I'm and not I think confident. That's, so. And I think that's a hard like like that's one way to kind of wrap up what we just talked about is like. You got to keep improving. You can't just be Doug Flutie running around in the woods. Do you think it's better to be a master of one system or be a generalist who can do a lot of systems? I think if you're trying to kill your first elk, you should probably master a system. Right? If you're trying to kill an elk, like an elk, figure out how to kill them the most effective way that you can. God, this is an interesting dude. Debate. If you're if you're a Nevada deer hunter and you come out here, like yeah, I don't think you should talk. run around bugling. This is not your forte. Well, what if you want to bugle on an elk, Jaden? You, know, you can do that, but just understand <laughs> that like it, it it there's a learning curve, man. Yeah, you gotta get over the hump. There's well, a like difference said, between wanting to kill kill an elk and wanting to be a great elk hunter. Yeah, I think if you want to be a great elk hunter, you have to be a generalist. Yeah, because every Mountain range, every like, situation, every time of year, like difference is going to make it, it's going to determine what tactic you use. Yeah. Think about this. Like if you've seen a, a 390 bull out in cedar country, are you going to go try to bugle him in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie. Uh, yeah. You're going to turn into a mule deer hunter. A mule deer hunter. Yeah. Yeah. I think being a generalist is important. I, I think having a lot of tools in the bag is very yeah. important. I think it's an underrated skill. I don't think you have to be like, you don't have to be like a call, like this one system way to kill mm -hmm. an elk. Because I do think that if you're like, oh, I just want to kill one elk. I just want to kill my first elk. So I'm going to learn how to uh, locate, challenge, get close and challenge. I think you're gonna have better luck if you're you're kind of like, hey, what's the situation call for? Yep. I think most if, if you, you have hunting experience, dude, you can be a generalist. You can be like, oh, well, should I spot and stalk this elk? Should I just rake or should I challenge people? I mean, it goes back to like again I mean, my, my therapy session with you on the phone when <laughs> it was 40 mile an hour winds in Wyoming. I was like, I, they can't hear me. Yeah. You're like, go spot and stalk, dude. It's you amazing. People adapt. forget. Like people lose their shit. Like. I'm going to pick on you. Like you should, because you can lose your shit when you're like, and I've, I've done it enough to know like, uh, season's over. Dang it. You know, like it's windy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Retrospect. You're, you're like, like, wait, why did, the did I think not, that? They're still there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Whether it's windy or snowy or whatever, like, uh, man, snow is another one. I've heard multiple people talk about, they got snowed on this year in the middle of September in Wyoming and it just shut them down. And, and I'm like, well, why didn't you cut tracks and like try to get in close? Yeah, he was just given this gift from the heavens that was like, oh, look, I can magically show you where all the elk are. Yeah. That's awesome. Just use it to your advantage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was kind of a rabbit hole podcast, but I liked it. It was good. Um, if you guys like it, let us know. Leave a comment. If you have more questions, leave a comment on the Patreon. Yep. I'm pointing down like post. you can see it, but it's a podcast. That's fine. Um, Leave a comment on the Patreon post and we can answer questions. Uh, yeah. Leave and your, feedback. your final piece of homework. It's final homework. Someone needs to come up with a good name for these kinds of podcasts. 
kinds of podcasts. Kinds of podcasts. Yeah, someone should do that. All right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>